This is Back to Excited with your host, Arvind, and Acting the Fool. From Pension Plan Puppets. Hi, welcome to Back to Excited, episode 130. My name is Arvind. Joining me as always, my colleague from PensionPlanPuppets.com. It's Acting the Fool. Hi, everybody. How are you doing, Fulman? I'm good. How about you? Better than the Canucks. Yes. Oh, man. But who isn't? Even in a pandemic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oof. Very, very true. Yeah. So um, we're not going to spend too much time discussing what I'm sure is the premier sporting event in North America, uh, the Leafs beating the Canucks 5-1. <laughs> I don't think anything else of consequence is really happening yesterday or today in, term, in the sporting world. I think we would have heard about it if there were, so probably Yeah, not. exactly. Um but we're not going to discuss that too much. You know, we want to keep the pod from getting too repetitive where we're like, okay, here's what the Leafs did this week. And mm-hmm. here's our concerns about them, which are the same because <laughs> we're nerds and we don't change our opinion that fast. Um, so we're going to play a little game this podcast. Mm-hmm. And we did it, uh, I think, each of the last two years around the quarter pole of the season. Uh, I shouldn't use the word, the term quarter pole. People always get anal because it means quarter mile. In horse racing, it means quarter mile left to go, right? Not quarter. Yeah, it's three quarters done. And horses, yeah. but whatever. But, okay, at the one at the one quarter point of the season. Um, so this game is called real or fake, and it's um, not especially creative, but <laughs> it's just a construct for me and Fulman to point out a trend, and you know, see, okay, or and discuss, is it real or is it something? Is it a mirage? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, this this has led to you know famously clairvoyant podcast moments, like saying Kasperi Kapanen is a low end first liner. Oof. Is that the worst take we've ever had? It's up there. Yeah, that one aged real poorly. Oh. We've had some bad ones. That one sticks out to me because it's like, I can see what we were thinking, mm-hmm. but we were like, that was just really dumb. It just, well, yeah. I mean, he looked like it at the time, but we, we definitely bit on the sample there. That was rough. Yeah. Um, so nonetheless, we are going to try and be a little bit bold. We're not, we're not going to just be like, well, if you look at the stats, this shouldn't continue. We'll, we'll try and actually take some stands here. Yeah. Right? This is, this is the podcast where we can, um, you know, use our eye test muscles more than ever. Yes. And that will in no way come back to haunt us, I am sure. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah. When, when one of the teams we're about to discuss eliminate us from the playoffs. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we're also going to talk about teams besides the Leafs mm-hmm. uh, a little bit. We, we have kind of five topics to discuss, whether they're weird or fake. Three of them are about teams outside the division, and then two of them uh, are about the Leafs. Yeah, in the division, but in not the, us. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yes, yeah. in the division, uh, outside the Leafs. Yes, thank you. So the first one, um, real or fake, Vancouver is really this terrible. And, and when I say this terrible, I mean they will be fighting with Ottawa for, you know, the, the worst record in, in the division. I said fake in brackets, but Wow. I don't buy that they're this bad, but they are bad. What do you say? I I I think they're this bad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, okay. I mean, not this bad because I think like they, you know, I I'd have to check their numbers, but they've gotten blown out in basically all of their losses. Their their goals for percentage is probably just absolutely miserable right now. Um, I'm checking it. Yeah, they're at. Uh, better than I thought. 46% goals for percentage at 5-on-5, which is awful, but, like, Ottawa's at 34%. Yeah, I mean, they have allowed, just in raw numbers, the most goals against in the NHL by a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that's that's rough. And I think um, 
it's a little dumb of me to say, oh, they're, they're going to be fighting with Ottawa because they have, I think, a, a significant point lead on Ottawa already, mm-hmm. even though they've played, you know, three more games, but Ottawa's probably not winning those games. And they, they beat up on Ottawa in one of their series. Yeah. But um, I'm going to kind of look at this from the perspective of um, th- they're going to be a team in the basement. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Ottawa probably has it r- wrapped up, but I don't think Vancouver is even going to sniff up the playoff race. They're, they're not coming close. This is a really, really bad team, I think. Yeah, well, I wouldn't dispute it, especially based on the last two nights. And by the way, I know we're not recapping the games once again. You all watched them. It was delightful. I do yes. want to say, I think Vancouver is terrible, and so I'm not drawing huge conclusions about the Leafs just absolutely pummeling them. But we were saying we want the Leafs to totally outclass yes, weaker and opponents, they, and they did that. So... Good for them. Keep it going. No complaints on that score this week. Good shit. But yes, I think Vancouver might be the worst team at protecting the slot in the NHL. Yeah, so maybe I should rephrase kind of what I was thinking when, when I compare them to Ottawa. I think the Canucks are easier to play against than Ottawa. I like Honestly, Vancouver seems to me like the anti-Columbus. We talked about last year where Columbus was very hard to break down their defensive structure. And mm-hmm. you just did not get to the slot. And in some of the turmoil that we've had early in this, despite that very successful season, uh, we were talking about the Leafs not getting to the net as much as we would want. That red blob of death on the heat maps wasn't showing up. They weren't getting those point-blank chances. The Leafs went there at will against Vancouver. Mm -hmm. And it was so awful that I can't help but think that this reflects... Vancouver's current state, like, they are down bad right now. They are not feeling good about how things are going for them, nor should they. But it was so easy for the Leafs to carve them up. I'm like, I can't believe that Vancouver is that weak on defense and still an NHL team. They're the worst team in the NHL in expected goals against, by the way. And the only reason they're not the worst in goals against per is because Ottawa's goaltending has been awful. Yeah. It's it's been, it's stunning because it... When you say with the Leafs are getting there with no effort, I mean, I don't think that's an exaggeration. It's just they're walking through and, you know, there's no gap at all. Or sorry, there, there's, there's, yeah, like there's no gap control at all, I should say. They're, mm-hmm. they're just completely kind of waltzing through in the neutral zone. Yeah. And they're, it, it seems like there's nothing stopping them from getting to the front of the net. It's not even getting to the point where they have to break down a structured defense. It's like as soon as they enter the zone, there is a, a, a lane to get to the net. And if, you know, in the few cases where there's not, they, they get a shot on it and, you know, Vancouver's terrible at boxing out and there's rebounds available. It's, it's just, it's stunning. It's really, really stunning. And I think, you know, to an extent, it, it's, Vancouver's a team that came in here with a lot of, um, with a lot of optimism. Mm-hmm. A lot of the models did not like them. I think Dom Lachishan had picked them for sixth in the, um, in, in the division. Yeah. With the acknowledgement that, you know, if you're, if you're, the mean of your distribution is six, you can still make the playoffs, like even, you know, yeah. 40, 50% of the time, right, mm-hmm. uh, in a, in a seven-team division. But, you know, they came with a lot of optimism as a result of their playoff runs, and we've seen this story before. Yeah, yeah, with Edmonton. And actually, speaking of Dom, that was the comparison he made. Someone said, you know, actually, the exchange was, I remember this, Pierre Lebrun said, these Canucks remind me of the 2009 Blackhawks. Like, 
you know, going out in, in a tough playoff defeat, but clearly with the seeds of future greatness. And Dom said they remind me of the 2017 Oilers, which was going out after a tough playoff run and then immediately regressing to their true terrible selves. And yeah. Dom looks to be closer at the burn point. Um, yeah, shocking no one. Uh, Dom DeShishin <laughs> might have a better eye of for, for team evaluation than Pierre Lebrun. <laughs> uh. So, um, yeah, like that's... The other thing worth noting is that for the playoff success that the Canucks have had last year, which I don't want to um, diminish because it's, God knows it's more than the Leafs have had in 15 years. Yeah, but um, let's diminish it a little bit. But, yeah, more... <laughs> It's just, it, it overshadows the fact, like the 2013 Leafs, this was not a very good team in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Right? In the, in the regular season, the Canucks were ninth from the bottom in 5v5 uh, Corsi 4. Um, and they were actually below water at 5v5 um, goal scoring. Like, their, their, their goals for percentage at 5v5 five five last year was below 50%. Mm-hmm. Right? So... This isn't a team that's really succeed, actually succeeding much at 5-on-5. Five five. They got a bit of a goal advantage from special teams. Yeah. And they also had good goaltending, which, you know, primarily exhibited itself uh, on special teams. I wouldn't say primarily, at least in part exhibited itself on special teams. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because of the abbreviated season and the play-in round, they, they weren't even that successful in the standings. No. Right? Their, their, their point percentage was... Um, in the back half of the league. They were a league average team last year. They were a league average team that beat St. Louis. Um, and then, did they make it to the end of the second round? They, they must have beat someone else and then they lost to Vegas in seven on the back of a heroic performance by Thatcher Demko. Yeah, I, I want to be clear there about that series. That was not close, despite it looking like it. I mean, you could have won. They got to seven games. You always have a chance to win, but it was all goaltending. Vegas outplayed them bad. Mm-hmm. And I really do think that, and we've been there, you know, as you mentioned, the Leafs did it in 2013. But this team deluded themselves into thinking that they were closer than they were. And then they had a pretty rough offseason that was only sort of redeemed, redeemed by picking up Nate Schmidt. And that, that's what I was about to mention. Like mm-hmm. it was a ba- it was a mediocre team that got worse in the offseason. Yes. And they let Markstrom go. And it's become abundantly clear that Markstrom was doing a lot for this team. It should have been obvious anyway. He was having quite a great season. But now they have two goalies who look awful numerically. Like both Demko and Holpe look like they're getting torched. But as much as, you know, they've allowed too many goals and you'd like to get some more saves, both games I was thinking... This is mostly defense. Like, yeah. the worst you can say, I think, is that the goalies were not doing a hell of a lot to save the situation. But this defense is, bar none, some of the worst I've ever seen. And I cheer for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Matthew's second goal yesterday was stunning. Like, in, in, in a car crash sort of way. Where, you know, Holtby <laughs> clears the puck to, um, to an area. Maybe it's not the best clearance, but, like, mm-hmm. how is Matthews beating the forward coming back there? That's like, the if, if you're thing. If you were the forward, your job is like, okay, I have to make sure I'm between this guy and the net. I think it was JT Miller there. I, yeah. my under, from what I remember, there was a pinching defenseman on the left side. So Miller has to come back and you know play defense, but he was just completely inattentive to Matthews. Yeah. And it's like, you know, Austin Matthews is not the guy you want to be inattentive to. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't want to oversell this. And again, credit to the Leafs, because the Leafs are exactly the kind of team where if you give them this kind of space, they will destroy you. Yes. And they did it. Twice. And, you know, that's to be expected. All credit to the Leafs for that. But at the same time, I'm thinking, this is so poor in terms of their ability to clear the slot, to protect the house, as the saying goes, and their ability to get to loose pucks in their own zone. Yeah. And the total lack of any pushback. Because I have to tell you, after the Thursday game, I was thinking, okay, they got embarrassed. They got blown out. They played terribly. They had not much in the third. They're going to wake up on Saturday and say, okay, this is our chance to redeem ourselves a little bit. To kind of show that we're a real professional hockey team. They did nothing. The Leafs beat the pants off them from the jump. And Vancouver didn't even really have much of a pushback in the third. When you would expect score effects to take over. They got a power play goal on kind of a chintzy little makeup call. But, yeah. Like, it just was not great. No, it was really, really, really poor. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, it's... And the thing is, there's, there's not a lot of relief coming. Uh, because after this year, they have to sign Elias Pettersson and they have to sign Quinn Hughes. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to have that much cap space to do so. So, they're probably not getting a whole lot better next year, especially if the cap, you know, uh, we don't know exactly what it'll be, but it's probably not going up much, if at all. Yeah, I mean, they're in a in a bad way. And so, yeah, my basic skepticism here is I can't believe that they are this bad. Right, like, it, it, we're talking about kind of how they've been. Projecting them forward, you'd expect them to be a little bit better, but I also think there's a, there's a pretty reasonable chance that, you know, th- th- that this team just kind of dies on the vine here because it becomes pretty clear that they're not going to be playing for anything that soon. Mm-hmm. Right? And, 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 yeah. There, there's not a lot of... There's not, they have, some obviously, some great young players, but it's not as if the bottom half of their lineup is going to be cycled out with some prospects or whoever who might add some upside. The bottom half of the lineup is really the problem. Mm-hmm. I, I have to give you some credit on this, actually. I said last year, I think... Jim Benning is going to hold this team back from making a serious step to contention. And you said, I think he already has. And, you know, we already knew that some of these signings were pretty rough. But you look at the outlook for this team, and it's it's bad. They are really set up to not do as much as they should with Pedersen and Hughes. Right. And, you know, I don't, I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, you know, you have to make the conference finals on an e- on your Stars ELCs, otherwise it's it's been a waste. Yeah. Right? Um, but, you know, your Stars ELCs do represent good opportunities to, to contend. Mm-hmm. And they, they haven't got, they haven't made a single good team out of it, really. And, you know, as, as, as much as you, you can deservedly crap on the Leafs for their lack of playoff success, every single year of Matthews and Marner's ELCs, they were at least a good team. They were a playoff team who deserved to be a playoff team. Mm-hmm. Vancouver h- hasn't done that. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't... If I'm running that team, it's shocking to me that Benning has lasted this long, to be honest. I, it, it really is. Because, you know, we've, people have been saying this for a long time that he's been mis- mismanaging stuff. 
mm-hmm. and it just hasn't seemed to matter. Yeah, he's gotten credit for having a couple of absolutely spectacular draft hits, and mm-hmm. full credit, even if he wasn't the guy who, you know, was the impetus for that decision, he signed off on it, and as the GM, you kind of own all the decisions the organization makes unto you, good or bad. So, good, you know. Besser, Patterson, Hughes, great picks. But everything else has been so poor. And now they're they're really struggling. I just, you can tell from my tone that I'm kind of incredulous because I know Vancouver is not a good defensive team. But they, they honestly reminded me a, a, a bit of like, the end stage Babcock Leafs where they were, they'd given up. I think this team oh, I, is like, I, I, I think they were, I think they're far worse than the end stage Babcock Leafs. The end stage yeah. Babcock Leafs had like, they had the puck. They just couldn't do anything with it. Yeah, no, I, I, you're right. In terms of like performance, I'm just thinking in terms of, they seem to fold. Like, yeah. I, I guess maybe that's what I want to remark on is there's always a pushback shift. Or something that you kind of see with these these teams. Vancouver showed nothing these last two games. It's the kind of game where if I were a coach, I would be tearing my hair out in frustration because the team looked at. And also, I would be conscious my job security just got a lot worse the way things right. are going. So, right. I mean, we 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 tend to not go too heavily into the oh, you know, they didn't want it enough or anything like that. And I'm sure. Those players, you know, they, they do want it. You don't get to the NHL without having a lot of ambition. Mm-hmm. But, it, yeah, it, it honestly seemed like the the effort level was so low from the Canucks in the last two nights. Um, in the sense that the Leafs were just winning every loose puck battle, every single one. And, you know, some of that is just, you don't have, sometimes the bounces really genuinely don't go your way. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Canucks did have a, a chance when... Pedersen basically had an open net and the puck just hopped off his stick. And I think that was at 2 nothing or maybe 3 nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that goes in. Maybe we say, okay, it's a more respectable game now. We're not as negative. But, you know, the, the Leafs were a team that prior to these games against um, Vancouver were not, um, you know, setting the world alight in terms of how they were playing. Mm-hmm. And they, they walk in. Vancouver walks into Toronto, and the Leafs look like the 2008 Red Wings or 2007 Red Wings, mm-hmm. right? It's 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 just really astonishing how bad the Canucks were. And again, we're gonna like credit to the Leafs; they did that too. Yeah, right. Um, I want to see it against the other teams in the division now, but mm-hmm. you know, this is they did everything they could in these two games against Vancouver, and hopefully they do it again Monday. But I I, I really think Vancouver is going to be fighting with Ottawa in the basement. Um, or not, again, I'll, I'll rephrase. I think they're going to be joining Ottawa in the basement. Ottawa has a lead on them. Ottawa has the nice spot in the basement out, you know, camped out. Yeah. Vancouver's <laughs> going to have to, you know, sleep near the drafty window. Yeah. Uh, I think that, that that's about right. <laughs> I had Vancouver finish. That metaphor really broke down. Basements don't really have windows, do they? I mean, it depends how far below ground they are, but it, it was a bit questionable, but, but I support you and I think you're a good person. Um, <laughs> You know, I had Vancouver fifth in the division, and the the real team right now that I look to have been off on is Winnipeg, who who look like they've somewhat patched we, up their defense. But we both were like, you know, we, we saw the Leafs dummy them. We're like, okay, they they can't be too good. And it's also, you know, you look at that roster. The the defense is terrible. Mm-hmm. The forwards are getting older. Um, you know, Blake Wheeler, you know, one of in his prime, one of the best wingers 
in the world has dropped off, especially defensively. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I'm i still not sure if they're any good, but they're, they're getting results and their numbers aren't too terrible. Yeah, they're better than I thought they were. But yeah, that, what the thing was is that I had this perception on that of them based on my look at the roster and my look at the numbers. And then we played them and they looked terrible. And I was like, okay, again, I'm right in my analysis. Obviously, Winnipeg sucks. And then since then, they've been all right. So, yeah, they might be the team that I have to revise my estimate on. But Vancouver is just, I thought they were too flawed and, and, you know, much more flawed than people recognized. But I am still taken aback by how bad they looked. So, yeah, I'm also, (laughs) this is a good segue into the second point, maybe a little less impressed with the Habs. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit, yeah. I mean, yeah. So I guess, is that a good time to jump to the second one? Yeah. Yeah. So our second for real or fake, the Habs are really this dominant. And my answer to that was, God, I hedge everything, don't I? Somewhat (laughs) real. Yeah. I mean, so I mean, the the question does us a disservice because the Habs right now have a 5v5 goal score percentage of 66%. Yeah. They're not that dominant. No team's that dominant. Yeah, that's the thing is it's worth making a distinction here between the Habs right now are running insanely hot. They were shooting the lights out at, at one point about a week ago. They were shooting like 13% as a team. And they're already, you know, dropping back in the direction of normal. And the question with the Habs is how good a shooting team, a finishing team, are they now? Because in recent years... They've been a good possession team, a very good possession team, but their shooting has been terrible. And we've kind of assumed, okay, they're not getting as much pre-shot movement as they should, and they don't have the best finishers. And as a result doing that, they shot about 8.5% last year. Right now, they're at 11.6. The question is where they settle. It's going to keep going down, I am quite confident. The question is... Does it settle back down around eight and a half, in which case they're just okay to like respectable, but nothing that scary? Or does it settle somewhere that's like pretty good? Because then they have a lot of other things going for them and they are a really good team. Yes, that, that, that's kind of what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Um, the Habs, in a lot of ways, are what we thought they were. Yeah. You know, very strong at carrying play five on five. They get a lot. Stylistically, a lot of their shots are from the point, and then they have a lot of really good net front players, I think. Mm-hmm. Or players who excel at winning those second battles, right? Brendan Gallagher is the obvious example, but, you know, e- even their, their skill guys now, like Josh Anderson, Nick Suzuki. You know, Suzuki isn't a over- physically imposing guy, but he, he's not a floater. Yeah, he, right? like he's he, a gamer. He wins those He'll battles. go for it. Yeah, and jo- Anderson's, you know, the, the prototypical power forward. That, that's what they got him for, and mm-hmm. he's been good. Yes. And of course, Tyler Toffoli has taken brutal vengeance upon the Canucks for letting him walk uh, to the degree that it's actually quite funny because he's absolutely carved them up. But more realistically, if you want to look at the Habs and say, okay, have they fixed their shooting? That's the big question. They added Anderson and Toffoli, who are both guys who can shoot pretty well on a lot of volume. Like they're not doing the Alex Tangay. Tyler Bozak kind of thing where they pick their spots and finish. They finish at a good rate and shoot all the time, especially to fully. 
Yes. So they're also that helps. They're also running very hot, as you, yes. as you would expect. And, and I but... want to be clear. They're going to come back down. And I think that a lot of the discussion of, like, the Habs capital J juggernaut should have included, but it's not that good. You know, like, they're a good team. They're just, like, they, they were running unbelievably hot and people got a little bit carried away. But I buy that, you know, I already had them as the second best team in the division. And if... I think there are reasons to believe that, that this shooting is going to be better than it has been. And so right. that weakness will have been somewhat improved. And that will be enough that I think that they'll... I think Toronto and them will be neck and neck for the division lead for most of the year. Yeah. And, and that's the thing that's worth noting. Like, We should update our prior on Montreal because of this, at least a little bit. right? It, it's, what, 13 games a day to 15 games a day or whatever. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's not a lot. But if they were... You know, to, to use an absurd example, if, if you put me in the NHL there is and gave me an infinite amount of games, there is no 15-game sample where I score goals. Because yeah. I'm, I'm just not that caliber player, obviously. Yeah. Right? So, for Montreal to have this hot streak suggests, okay, they have some shooting capability. It's probably not to this level, but we should expect their shooting to regress to something higher than we did, um, you know, 10 games ago. Mm-hmm. Or, at, or at the start of the season. And... Moreover, um, Montreal is like the oh shit! I, I think I forgot my point a little bit. Uh, <laughs> okay. Give me a second; it'll 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 come back to me. Yeah, uh, th- this is the the beauty of of, of podcasts. Um, I mean, they control mind. play at a huge level, yeah. and that's a good starting point. Oh, sorry, what, what I was going to mention is that mm-hmm. um, they do have the the weakness of that they are five on five dependent. Their power yeah. play is not very good. They're, they've got a lot of goals shorthanded, and that's another area uh, that is not going to be that sustainable going forward, I don't think. I buy that they have that they pose some sort of shorthanded threat, Yeah. but I think they have like six shorthanded goals in you know however many games they've played, 12. Yeah. Right? That's not continuing because no one continues that. Yeah. Um, so they'll, they'll, there's things that will come back down to earth, but you know they've already banked these points too. Yes. That, that's another thing. Like they, they've already basically guaranteed themselves a playoff spot. If we, you know, even if we forget everything we knew about, or, or even if we, you know, say the first 12 games has no bearing on the rest of the season in terms of what we expect going forward, which is obviously wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, if we just, if they just play as we would expect them, expect it, as we would have expected them to at the start, from the start of the season, they're going to be in the playoffs and they're going to be an annoying team to face. Yes. Uh, a Toronto-Montreal series would be fun in the sense of the heat between the fan bases. They're both good teams. I uh, would also be extremely nerve-wracking, and if we lose, we would be devastated, but that's how it goes. It, I do it, think... It's, re- it's really fun. It'd be really fun if you enjoy roller coasters without safety harnesses. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's a short life expectancy on that hobby. But, uh, yeah. So I think maybe my takeaway from Montreal is not... The Leafs don't have to be overawed here either. You know, like there yeah. was this, you know, you, I, I do think that as part of the Canadian media fever dream, there's a tendency to whoever did whatever last week, that's how it is. And it's set in stone for all time. I think it's also time for the Leafs, you know, that you should be revising your prior a little bit. And I'm doing that and saying, okay, Montreal is a bona fide good team. I don't think the Leafs have to. Be scared of them. I would favor the Leafs in a series, as things currently stand, narrowly. But 
Montreal is for real to some extent. I think that they will finish top two in the North. So, yeah. And for the record, just as sort of a general point, it's not unreasonable for Mark Bergevin to think that this year, this year specifically, is a good chance for his team to win the Stanley Cup. Because they are, again, I think definitely one of the two best teams in his division. And that gives them a good chance of getting to the conference finals. And then after that, who knows? So, yep. it, yeah, it's not unreasonable for him to stack up and say, we've got a shot here. So, yeah. Right. I, I agree with that. The other thing I would say is that games between Montreal and Toronto, um, even when the Leafs win, I don't think it's going to look very convincing. Mm-mm. Because it's going to be, you know, similar to how we saw the first game uh, go against them. And that's not to say all games are going to go like this. Um, but, you know, the Leafs, part of their advantage is special teams. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, as dangerous as Montreal has looked, shorthanded. If you know, I expect them to, as I said, expect them to not continue it to that degree going forward. The Leafs might get a cheap power play goal. They might get a goal where, you know, Austin Matthews just rips it. And you know, as good as the Habs have played, they have no one in the realm of Austin Matthews' skill. Yeah. Right. They have no one in the realm of Mitch Marner's skill. I think if you want to talk yourself into. The Leafs is the favorite of a Montreal series, and that's already where I am. Is I still think if you list the best four forwards in the series, they're all Toronto Maple Leafs. I just like that's my belief, and I have not seen reason to change that. Even though I I do think Nick Suzuki is quite good. Yeah, I I mean I think the top two are inarguable, and then depending on how you view what players have done this year versus last year, and and you know Suzuki's youth specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, it could change, but I think that's generally true. And as you say, if the Leafs and Hams were to play a playoff series tomorrow, I would narrowly favor the Leafs. Like my, my most likely pick would be Leafs in seven. Yeah, same. But, you know, the Hams are a good team. They're, they're a very good team. Um, and I don't think they're going to be an easy out, and we're probably going to have to go through them. Yeah, and uh, that'll be a ride. But yeah, so... Anyway, I, I hope that we've we've taken kind of a balanced perspective on that, where it's like they're not this good, but they are good, and that's that's how it is, and we'll have to live with that. They're a deep team that's going to play a relentless style, and while I don't think that they're going to be quite so dominant as they are when Tyler Toffoli is carving up the Canucks like a turkey, they're going to be good. So yeah. I also wonder if they kind of match up well against a lot of teams in the division. Mm. Maybe. Because uh, it, it's it's not a defensively strong division, to say the least. They're certainly the best defensive team in it, I yeah, think, by a I, lot. <laughs> um, and, and so I I think, you know, they don't have... They, they might not have other teams that really challenge them in terms of five-on-five five play driving. Mm-hmm. Right, so they can really kind of wreak havoc at the front of the net uh, against these teams, and you know it, it sounds trite, but the games against Vancouver have also given me some comfort, as you alluded to before. Where it's like, okay, you know, you know, not to take away credit from Montreal for smoking Vancouver over five games, pretty much. Yeah, because you have to actually do it. But Vancouver looks pretty bad now. Yeah, so. like worse than I thought they'd be. So, you know, to, to some extent, that revises our opinion a little bit Mm -hmm. um yeah so moving on uh ottawa is really this terrible this one might be pretty easy 
real. Yes, they are. Yeah, I, I, I guess I, I overstated my case a couple times with Vancouver, where I said, you know, you know, they're they're as bad as Ottawa. They're not as bad as Ottawa. <laughs> the, and that like that's because Ottawa is really really awful. There's some things that Vancouver might be worse than Ottawa at, but yeah, Ottawa is terrible. They've also already banked in a lot of losses, so yeah. like the season's over for them already. Yeah, more or less. They are um, six points out of sixth. Not out of a playoff spot, out of sixth place. Like, they are going to finish last in this division. I would bet real money on it. Yeah, so, well, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think you would get much of a return. Yeah, no, the odds on that have to be pretty safe at this point. Yeah, um, yeah. So, like, you know, I, I could sort of see them performing similarly to Vancouver going forward. Yeah. Um, but they're they're a bad team. Yes, they are, and. The thing is, is that there's been some upset in Ottawa about this. And I'm like, what did you expect to happen? Because this team was obviously terrible. It's not like it required um, psychic powers to foresee that they were going to suck because they sucked last year. And they sucked the year before that. So, (laughs) uh, also, if you look at the roster, they had, like, no established top six NHL centers. Derek Stepan was like the shell of one, and he's one. He apparently wants out now, and two, he was playing on their fourth line at last I saw. It's bad. The only thing that maybe should concern them in a larger sense is they committed to Matt Murray as their goalie of the future with four yeah, years at six point two five, and he's been terrible. <laughs> so that immediately, like you know, a handful of games in, that's on. That's a top 10 worst contract in the league now. It's, yeah, it's scary fast. And the only thing is you can say, like, look, okay, goalies are crazy. Things go up, things go down. He used to be good. He's only 26. Our defense is awful, which is kind of bad in and of itself. But maybe that's some of the responsibility. That's all fine. But it's like, he's played poorly. And you're well, and, committed. And <laughs> the, the other thing is, his um his good plays further and further in the rearview mirror now. That gets it's a couple of years ago at this point. Yeah. So you're just looking at a situation where it's like, okay, this guy just hasn't been good for a little bit. Yeah. Um. So it's it's it, it's it's worrisome if you're a Sens fan, right? Because albatross goalie contracts are probably the most annoying to deal with. Yes, they are. And because it's kind of remarkable. Like, they got him. And I guess they were like, okay, we've got to lock him up. Maybe he wasn't that keen. But, like, what was he doing to earn this much money? Especially in the new flat cap era. Because they signed this deal in October. It's not like it was pre-pandemic or anything like that. Right. Uh, I don't know who they were bidding against. But they kind of made a big commitment to a guy, you know, who, who granted, has rings. But I think that's who has been. Yeah, I think the rings played a role there, a big one. So anyway, but beyond that, Ottawa sucks, and they should expect to suck. Yeah, yeah, they're they're not a good team, and there's a lot of talk in in about how bad this division is. Mm -hmm. It's pretty justified. Yeah, like it's 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 a bad division. Um, I think there are two good teams. Yeah, Leafs and Habs. There are, like, three mediocre teams and yeah. then two awful teams. Yeah, that's how it looks to be shaking out. So, I mean, I guess the biggest change is what we've made is one. I've promoted Winnipeg in my mind a bit. And Vancouver, we are demoting in the direction of awful. 
based on their yeah. performance. <laughs> Vancouver, in almost everything except goaltending, has been as bad or worse than Ottawa this year. It's right? bad, like, which, yeah. Which is, what, which is why I was kind of saying, it's like, going forward, we, we might expect them to perform pretty similarly. Yeah, it's it's gruesome out there, man. They they gotta sort some shit out. But we we're just you know constantly dunking on the Canucks. We tried to do a topic on another bad team, and we were immediately like, "But seriously, the Canucks are bad." <laughs> it's good. well, I mean, we we know Ottawa is yeah. bad, right? Like that's mm-hmm. as you said. It, it's weird that there's so much disquiet in Ottawa about how bad they are. It's like, yeah, because well, you know, have you seen your roster? Yeah, um, they don't have any good players. I mean, they have a few, but, like, they're all young and developing and Brady Kachuk. Like, that's it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, okay. So, with that covered off, now we can come back around to the Leafs. And uh, I enjoy how you wrote this one. So, Austin Matthews should win the Hart Trophy. Real as hell. Yes. I would like to denote, Arvin is, like, a, a man of restraint. He's an intellectual. He's very calm and cool and thoughtful. And he wrote real as hell in all caps for this one. So yeah, okay. He so, it. so now I'll, I'll walk it back a little bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we couldn't sustain that for too long. No. Um, look, McDavid is, is the favorite right mm. now. Um, he's played brilliantly. Yes. He, he's you know very good. Probably the best. Not probably is the best player in the world. I don't think Matthews is that far behind. Mm. Um, what I will say is that Matthews' level of performance has been very close to as good as McDavid's. Over the course of the first, um, you know, 12, 13 games, whatever. Mm-hmm. And this is not really McDavid's fault, but McDavid has not, the team has not performed that well with McDavid on the ice at five on five. Now, this is essentially McDavid getting PDO'd, right? Yeah. So I'm not making a claim that, like, because of this, Matthews is better than McDavid or anything like that. But for an award like the Heart, which is, to me, retrospective, it's not who was the best player, it's who added the most value. Mm-hmm. Um, I would find it hard to vote for, um, if I was awarding a heart based on the first part of the season that we've just passed, I would not vote for McDavid. Mm-hmm. Because the, the team has not done particularly well with him on the ES. I recognize that's not entirely his fault. Mm-hmm. Right? Or, or even, not even, you know, largely his fault. He's played brilliantly. He's, you know, still the best player in the world. Mm-hmm. But I don't believe he's provided the most value over the first 13 games of the season, which uh, is a different question. And for what it's worth, goals above replacement disagrees with me. They, yeah. they, I believe, have McDavid as number one or maybe number two behind Kale McCarr. Mm-hmm. And Matthews is like third or fourth. Um, but I, I think the I think goals above replacement is essentially that model is, kind, is somewhat broken by how insane McDavid's point totals are right now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that's my thinking. And more broadly, what I will say is that I do genuinely believe Matthews is close to the McDavid tier of player. I don't think it's the case where, um, you know, McDavid is so far and away better and that there's like nothing Matthews does even close to the level of McDavid. And, you know, Matthews will always be um, outshined by McDavid whenever they play. I don't think that's true. I think, you know, McDavid is better and Matthews is very close behind. Yeah, and so when I said fake, Austin Matthews should win the Hart Trophy, my basic case was Connor McDavid exists. And Connor McDavid right now is playing at a very dominant level, in my opinion. 
he, he absolutely is. Yeah. And it's just, the Oilers are a bad team for the most part, aside from they have the best player in the world, and then they have Leon Dreisaitl, who is a top five offensive player in the world to go with them. And then they have a grab bag of other guys. But they're not a good team. No. And so, I think that ultimately it's going to be determinative that McDavid is, one, going to continue lighting people on fire. Will he finish with two points a game at the end of the year? I doubt it. But if anyone can do it in a shortened season, in a soft division, it's him. Yeah. Um, and well, The other thing is, they have to play him so much. He and Dreisaitl, uh, the, the, the Oilers were down two goals to the Flames mm-hmm. last night. And they played the final five minutes. There was, you know, some timeouts in between, some stoppages in between, but they did not get off the ice in the final five minutes of the game. Yeah, and like that's not good that you have to do that, especially at this point in the season. It's game thirteen. Like, it's one thing if it's the playoffs and you're thinking leave it all on the table, but it's like this is what Edmonton is doing to grind out victories. I think that they are good enough. To probably make the playoffs, I wouldn't guarantee them anything. But I would guess they finish fourth. But it's like, Connor McDavid has to drag this team kicking and screaming. With help from Dreisaitl and, you know, sort of from RNH, but not a whole lot else. Right. And it's worth noting, the knock on McDavid the last couple of years has been that his defensive results have been poor. And this year they look better than they have in a while. Except for the fact that his goaltending behind him kind of sucks. Yeah, and you know may- maybe uh, expected goals is underrating the- how good the chances are against him. Yeah. Because it can be kind of open-ended, but I mean, that would also be true last year, and we've seen year-over-year improvement. So, you know, if nothing else, he's cutting down on the quantity, and, and I would chalk that up more to goaltending than to anything else, right? Mm-hmm. I think McDavid will have done enough to earn the heart by the end of the year. Yeah. If you're asking me the heart... We're talking more really about the North Division because I haven't followed the other divisions closely enough. Yeah. But, you know, the MVP of the North Division over the first 13 games, I would say it's it's, it's Matthews. I think he has provided the most value over the first, you know, 13 games of the year. That does tie into something else that I I wanted to say. The North Division is bad. Now, they're not the only division with bad teams. Sometimes this gets a little overstated, sort of jokingly. Friend of the pod, Kevin, likes to call it the JV Division, which... uh, you know, after that Vancouver game, I don't feel totally confident in disputing. But um, I think the reality is that there are kind of opportunities to feast on some of the lesser teams to some extent. And so it's possible that we're underrating certain other players in other divisions who are facing tougher competition. Yes. That, that's a caveat that applies to both McDavid and... And Matthews, although maybe more to Matthews, because Matthews gets to play on a good team and McDavid does not. So <laughs> by definition, Matthews is playing one more kind of crappy team and McDavid is playing mm. one more good team. But yeah, I, I think that these caveats, and you can tell with how I phrased it, are things that why I'm saying Matthews won't win it or like isn't the best. But I think that it's very hard to argue he hasn't played like a top five player in the world this year I had him there last year and I think it was like a bit more of a borderline call it's no doubt about it so far he's been quite solid defensively he's been a monster on the puck his shooting is terrific he does all of these things at a very high level and I think he's 
probably the best goal scorer in the world now if Ovechkin is finally vacating the throne. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, I'll, I'll entertain arguments for Pasternak for sure, but still, like, this is the kind of territory that he's in, and the Leafs have not had players legitimately in this conversation, possibly since Teeter Kennedy, or like maybe Daryl Sittler. So it, it is certainly a lot of fun that we have someone playing this well for our hockey team. And I'll, I'll put it this way. If for some reason it's proposed tomorrow that the Oilers and the Leafs trade McDavid for Matthews straight up, the Oilers say no, and the Leafs probably still say yes. But the highest compliment I can give to Matthews is that I'm not that sad that that trade isn't going to happen because Matthews is so good. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, it, you know, it, it's... I don't have him winning it, but I, I have a lot of respect for what he's been able to do so far. And if you want to be really optimistic about this team, the first thing that you should go to is Austin Matthews is playing like this. Yeah, no, I I, I really believe what I said. I'm not, I'm not doing this to be a hot take artist. I, I think he has, he has played every bit as well as McDavid has to start the year. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, as I said, I'd still expect McDavid to, you know, win it going forward because McDavid is getting a little bit unlucky. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know they, they played similarly well, and, and I think Matthews provided more value because of McDavid's kind of poor luck or poor uh, results in some cases. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, I, I mean I, we can go on forever, but it's mostly just going to be us fawning over Matthews. So. Yeah, which you know is fun, and we should do it. Oh, that sorry, one, I, but one thing yeah. I do, mm-hmm. one thing I did want to point out, um, w- one of the reasons why so. One of the um, delineators between their values, in, at least in terms of goals above replacement this year, is that McDavid provides um, more power play offense, right? Um, according to, to this model. Uh, that accounts for about half the difference between them mm-hmm. overall. Um, the other half is, is essentially penalty drawing, mm-hmm. uh, which, which we really shouldn't count because we know the league is biased against the Maple Leafs. <laughs> <laughs> the conspiracy proceeds. Yes. yes. Um, but with, when it comes to power play offense, it's worth noting that the Leafs don't need Matthews to provide that value on, on, on the power play in the sense that, you know, we, we're splitting up our time pretty evenly between two excellent units, both of which are performing among the very best in the league. Yeah. Right? Um, and, you know, I was critical of this idea at first, and I mentioned last podcast how, you know, I, I think, at least so far, I've been proven wrong on that. It, it's been doing, you know, so well that it's hard to criticize. Um, Edmonton, as you'd expect by the nature of their team being so top-heavy, really loads up their top power play and really spends um, as much of the power play as possible with them on the ice. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, and that gives McDavid more of a chance to accrue power play stats. Now, that is not a knock on McDavid at all. He still has to do that. Yeah. Right? But the team situation and construction is more conducive to him producing a whole whack of power play points. And he, he's, you know, a phenomenal power play player as well, but you know, it, it, that's one reason why I, I, I want the, when, when you look at things like goals of replacement and, and, you know, these, these one number things, it shouldn't be, oh, you know, McDavid's at 6.3 and Matthew's at 5.5. Okay. McDavid's better. Yeah. Right. Like we, we should, we should analyze why is that, where is the difference arising? Um, what are the factors that are leading to that? And, you know, is the value that a player provides, uh, does it abstract beyond the context of the team that they're in right now? So mm-hmm. I just wanted to make that note. 
I will be the campaign manager for Austin Matthews for Heart this year. So um, I'm just getting the propaganda machine ready. Absolutely. I, I do think McDavid's greatest advantage in all this, aside from how good he is, is that if you want a narrative of the one heroic player that we don't get as much in hockey, McDavid comes pretty close. Yeah, I mean, the Oilers, haven't they been outscored something like 16-5 to when neither McDavid nor Dreisaitl are on the ice? It wouldn't surprise me. That's not not adding in, like, power play goals against. Yeah, like, they're a bad team, aside from him and Dreisaitl. And, and, you know, I I think RNH is useful, and I like Kyler Yamamoto, but it's like, it's bad there. He has to do so much, as evidenced by the fact that he just played, like, a six-minute shift at the end of the game. You know, it, right. it, it's very apparent that they need him. The Leafs need Austin Matthews, but they're not totally bereft aside from him. Uh, and, and so, kind of paradoxically, that's better for the Leafs as a team, but it's maybe not as useful for the Hart case. Because if Connor McDavid drags the Edmonton Oilers to the playoffs, it's more impressive because he had to drag them. It, it, it's interesting. Uh, I, I wonder... Okay, so let's say there's a world where the Leafs end up winning the division. Mm-hmm. Um, let's not say they run away with it, but they, they, they win it. They're, there's a small bit of separation between, let's say, Montreal. I think that's the most likely team. If the Leafs win the division, that's the most likely team to come in second. Mm-hmm. And then Edmonton squeak, squeaks in at 3-4, and four, but there's a big separation between 1-2 and 3-4. Does the fact that Nick David has made the playoffs help the narrative of this, or it, does the fact that Matthews has led his team to like a, a more dominant regular season help the narrative? So this has nothing to do with who deserves it. We're talking yeah. about kind of the voting narrative at this point. Yeah, my thought is that it helps McDavid because you've got to be a playoff team. And there will be some people who look at how essential were you to this. Um, and if McDavid leads the league in points, as he is currently doing and may well. And he has like a, a notable lead already, which is insane. That's the thing is like he doesn't even have to run that hot. He's got like he's got a six point lead on Marner and then three points on Dreisaitl, but... That's fine. So, yeah, I, I think that it's going to come down to if if McDavid can get that team into the playoffs, and I think that he can because again, it, it's not that st- stiff a competition. Well, yeah, it's like two of the two of Winnipeg, Calgary, and Edmonton are making the playoffs. Yeah, and Calgary keeps scuffling, even though I think that they're a better team. So who knows? Um, yeah, so I, I think that that'll be enough to get him to it. Although. And this is just, like, interesting in the confounding effect of line mates. The fact that Marner is is may well finish with more points than Matthews also probably hurts Matthews' candidacy. Yeah, there'll, there'll be the case of, like, oh, he's not even the best player on his own line. Like, yeah. Mar- it's interesting. I think Marner has had a higher point rate than Matthews basically every year they've been in the league. And yeah. yet there is, I think, no um, unbiased Leafs fan thinks that Marner is the same caliber of player as Matthews. No. No, he's very good. He's very good. Yeah, he's very, but, very, very, very good. you know, I mean, also with the two of them together, it's like Marner is going to just pick up a ton of stuff where Matthews is the prime mover, and that's fine. That's what he's for. And I'm not knocking Marner's incredible playmaking gifts. I'm just saying there will be a lot of plays where Matthews is doing more than half of the work involved where they each get one point. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, that's kind of a confounding factor, too, for narrative purposes. That said, if Matthews wins the Rocket Richard, that would help. So, 
we'll, we'll see how that pans out. But yeah, it should be interesting anyway. I mean, there are... And this is a, sort of a, a grimmer twist on it. But there are also confounding factors about COVID, which right now has been hitting the, the American teams harder. They've had yeah. to have more cancellations, and there's a pretty good chance some of those teams aren't going to play the full 56 games, which is going to hurt their counting stats. So I wouldn't be surprised if one way or another, a lot of the awards end up going to teams in the North Division. Hmm. Yeah. But that's... It's also, I mean, yeah. let, let's, let's be real. There's a huge Canadian contingent of the media, mm-hmm. and it's absolutely the case that Canadian markets, especially with the North Division, are going to get a lot of attention. Yeah. And Canada is, like, having fun. Like, they're really, like, I, I do see a level of excitement just online and in general among Canadian fan bases. That seems more than I'm used to. Like, a lot of this is just perception, but I do feel like, you know, people are into it. So I, that'll probably generate some momentum one way or another. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Uh, our last topic was going to be Alex Kerfoot is a good third line center. And yeah, we had, to, we had to end on a downer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, after all that fun with that one. And this pained me, but I looked at it and I came around to fake. Yeah, I mean, I, my, I put thrill. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know with Kerfoot. Yeah. I, when I watch yeah. him, sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll say my piece quickly. Yep. When, when I watch him, I, I think generally he's fine. He, he's a pretty quiet player. The nature of his game is not very flashy. He, he normally enables his line mates to do things, right? That's his, his value. But it's worth noting, his line this year has just gotten absolutely smoked, mm-hmm. right? Now, if you asked me this question last year, I'd probably say, yes, he's a good third line center, right? Like, he, he's not great by any means. He's not overqualified for a third line center, but, like, he's in the upper half of third line centers, Right? This year, the results have been really, really, really poor. And there's been a rotating cast of line mates, which maybe you can say, okay, it's been hard to build chemistry, but it's also, you know, if there's, if there's five different line combinations that they're all kind of doing crappy and you're the, you're the constant, well, what does that say? Mm-hmm. So th- this year has been really, really poor in, in that regard. And, you know, there, there was that... Ill, ill-fated, I think, attempt to turn the Kerfoot line into a checking line. Yeah, that didn't and work. No, I don't think that's worked. And I don't know if it's been completely abandoned as of yet, but it seems like there, there's less emphasis on on that now. I haven't dug into the numbers too much. What, what's your read on that? Do you think it's they're still being used as defensively? It's... I don't think so. Now, it's... It's clouded a bit by the fact that in the past week, one, we've been playing a team that has probably one line, mm-hmm. but two, they've been blowouts. So I don't get the impression that they're being used like that. And I think that it's becoming more Matthews goes power for power and then Tavares and Kerfoot kind of split off. Um, I really want to like this because I like a lot of what Kerfoot brings. And I don't think that he's a bad player. But I have to start acknowledging the results are not good this year. And that should count for something when they're as extreme as they are. And more than that, I feel like I've never seen him fit. Especially this year with his line mates. And you can think of reasons why it wouldn't work with, say, Ilya Mikhaev or Jimmy Vesey or whoever else. But as a third line center, you don't get your pick of the best line mates because... 
the best players are on the top two lines. That's in the job description. And if you don't work that well with seemingly anybody as a third line center, the question becomes, okay, what's the common element there? It's you. You are not working as a third line center. I still believe that he has ability. He's a gifted playmaker. He plays a good, quiet defensive game, but he works hard. It's just, I find myself thinking more and more when Joe Thornton comes back. I want Joe Thornton as the third line center and move Kerfoot to left wing somewhere on any of the top three lines. Yeah, I think it's worth trying at least. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't think Kerfoot is this bad. Like, no. I think he's, he's played poor. He's also um, taken a lot of penalties, some of which have been, uh, you know, bad calls. But also, you know, you're not helping your case when you do that. Yeah. And that's, it's been so weird. Uh, but, like, he does have a problem with taking penalties, it seems like. And, it's worth noting, he, he's, also, he's also drawn. Yeah. Basically as many penalties as he's taken, which is interesting. Um, yeah. Maybe you could say he's helping the Leafs on net because he's... Uh, giving them a chance for their great power play to go to work. Right. And, you know, the, the old line about Tom Wilson from Micah McCurdy was he resolutely pulls the game away from five on five, and Washington likes that. Uh, <laughs> and so for a totally different type of player, I guess Alex Griffith is doing that. He's gotten called for some stuff that was baffling this year, though. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think that the my pet suspicion on this is that nothing begets penalties like penalties, both in terms of makeup calls, but also when you rack up a lot of penalty minutes and the ref looks at who am I refereeing tonight, you probably keep an eye on the guy who has a ton of penalty minutes. It's also the case where it's, you know, these are seeing the same refs. Yeah. Uh, right? Because the, the refs aren't commingling across divisions. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you build up reput- you just need to build up a reputation with like a handful of refs and yeah, that that happens pretty quickly, or that may happen pretty quickly. So maybe that's that's a part of it. I think part of it is just kind of, you know, it's like a run of seven heads in a row or something like that. You know, it's yeah. just something weird that happens. I, I don't think he's... That's not something he's really exhibited that much in the past, I don't think. Yeah, so hopefully that, that that's something that can improve going forward. But I have to admit I am concerned. And, you know, moving to a, a top six heavy structure... This is sort of how it goes. We can't spend a ton of money on a third-line center. But there's been some talk that Kyle Dubas is looking at an additional top six forward on the trade market, if you can squeeze something in. I would almost be thinking, can you get a an underrated, quiet, very strong defensive center who is maybe cheaper than they ought to be because the league still follows points with salaries, and then move Kerfoot to the wing. Because I think Kerfoot, as sort of an additional playmaking winger, can work fine with any of the top two lines, or, or really, you know, anyone else. Mm-hmm. But I'm not concerned that we... I'm concerned that we haven't got a third line that's doing what we needed to do right now. Right. So I actually just fact-checked myself to look at Kerfoot's penalties last year. He was actually at the same pattern last year. Mm. A lot of penalties drawn, a lot of penalties taken. Interesting. Which didn't stick out to my memory, but, you know, the stats are the stats. Yeah. it's Well, it's interesting because they are a lot of uh, obstruction or stick fouls, it seems like. Yeah. He's not a physical player. No, it's not like dirty penalties. It's, no. it's, it's obstruction penalties and stick penalties, as you were saying. Yeah. So, yeah, it's something to uh, to keep an eye on. We've talked a lot about, you know, Tavares Nylander being what the Leafs really need to get going, and that's still a big priority. And so... 
they've had some good moments the last few games. We'll we'll keep watching and hoping that that resolves itself. But if you're looking for where to upgrade right now, uh, the third line with Kerfoot is something that I'm watching and I'm thinking this isn't quite at the level that it needs to be. Because again, the Leafs should be treating this as a year we make a serious cup run. Just because the division sucks aside from Montreal. Yeah, and the thing is, like, the Leafs do... What's, it's vastly more important for the Leafs that Tavares and Nylander get going 5 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's also, there's not much we can do about that. We're not trading either of those guys. It, it's like, okay, how can we figure out a solution internally, whether it's tactically, um, whether it's lineup-wise, whether it's, it's a change of emphasis in, in uh, the strategy of how they're deployed or anything like that. Like, we, we have to figure out how that works internally. Mm-hmm. With the third line, there's, it's easier to change externally if we decide to go down that route. Yes. Um, so I guess, I guess we'll see um, on that front. The, the Kerfoot line specifically, their, their shot numbers are not terrible. It's the expected goals numbers that are really bad, and like the scoring chance numbers. Mm-hmm. So I, I wonder why that is. Maybe as like a passive player, he's not really able to help drive his, his team to the front of the net. To, to the same degree, you know, that's a, been a common problem for the Leafs this year, barring the last couple games. Also does not help that he has been getting PDO'd, yeah. right? Like, you, you never look good in that situation. Um, even if his if his XG meets his Corsi, I think we're okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not th- thrilling, but it, it's it's not great. Just to provide some numbers here, his Corsi is like 48%. His XG is like 41%, so much lower. And his scoring chance percentage is like kind of in between the two, closer to the Corsi. It's like 47%. Yeah. Um. So, you know, if, 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 they, if he starts playing to, like, slightly below parity, you know, the, the Leafs can survive that. It's mm-hmm. not ideal, but they can survive it. Um, but we, we do need something going on there. And it's hard to judge the different line combinations because there's been so many of them. And, you know, so many of them get to play only against one opponent. So it's very, very unrepresentative samples, right? Like, we, we've seen two games with um, Mikheyev and VC. Both have been against Vancouver. Right and yeah. you know, as we've covered extensively, well, how much can we judge that versus the games of um, Simmons and VC and Kerfoot, which were against Edmonton and Calgary? Yeah, and I just on the note of Wayne Simmons, um, one, I really hope his hand is okay, but yes. t- two, I like that fit so far with Tavares and Elander. I, I think they had a great game yesterday. I thought they were very good in the first game against Vancouver yesterday. I didn't. I thought Nylander had a bad game yesterday, specifically. Like, uh, it wasn't his best work. No. I, but, I mean, they did score a goal, they, and they weren't on the ice for, for any goals against. And they didn't win the chance battle that I saw, but I also... It wasn't, didn't seem like they were continually getting hemmed in, either, even though their shot numbers weren't great. It, it seemed like they were always, as has been the case for a lot of this year, Nylander and, Nylander and Tavares were, like, one pass away. Yeah. I, I do like... I, you know, when this line was kind of proposed, we were saying Simmons five years ago would be so perfect here in terms of he's the guy who gets to the net, who can operate in tight. And we saw last night he had a terrific power play goal at point blank range where he showed real goal scorers patience, like a, a real sense of how much time he had and how to use it before shelving the puck. Great stuff. Uh, and, and, you know, I know that he's not quite that player anymore, but I think he genuinely looks increasingly comfortable. And I'm a little optimistic that what we talked about, 
before the season, you know, he's had more time without having to play NHL hockey games than he's had in years and years. And that's time to recover from injuries, to work on your conditioning, all that sort of stuff. And so as you settled in, I think I'm getting more optimistic about Simmons being the kind of guy who can still hang around in the middle six of a, of a good hockey team. Mm-hmm. So I would not at all mind uh, giving that some run as opposed to the Jimmy VC experiment where he, you know, he bashes in a puck short range once in a while, but doesn't do anything else. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess we'll see. Um, okay, so was there anything else that you, you wanted to add? I think that's, that was our, um, that was our extent of hot takery for, for yeah. a while. <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. So um, you can catch all of mine and Food and work at PensionPanPuppets.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at RBN80. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week.